Welcome back to the Queer Collective Podcast, everybody. My name is Carbon. And I'm Emily. And welcome to the show. You can call me teacher today, though. Why is that? Because I'm about to school you. Oh, damn. Biatches. She is about to school us. We are about to take a lesson. Mm-hmm. Let's dive into it. What are we talking about today? Okay, so the reason we're talking kind of about queer theory today is because we went to the dyke march yesterday mm, um mm, mm, mm. which was lovely it was in toronto on church street organized by like i'd say like three or four older lesbians yeah who didn't even like organize it with the police they just, they just, just did it they just put it together <laughs> and were like blocking traffic with their rollerblades and it was the coolest thing i've ever seen and i'm inspired yeah yeah it was actually really cool they like she mentioned emily she 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 is emily uh like like you mentioned no police were alerted that we were even doing this apparently and they just like they were like all right we're gonna start on church street and we're just gonna like on our rollerblades go ahead of the crowd stop traffic make sure everyone's good and then we'll move on to the next stop 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 the next set of traffic and we'll just keep going and we were like okay and Sounds the, good. The cops just showed up and they're like, yo, okay, what's your route? <laughs> <laughs> there was like nothing there. The cops are like, they know that they're at their absolute last straw and they do not want to mess with the dykes. You can't mess with the dykes. Heck if you no. mess with the dykes, all hell will be brought upon you. You're going to get messed up. You're going to get messed up, homie. Yeah. Um. So yeah, they the cops showed up. They were like, "Okay, well, I guess we'll um make sure you're safe." <laughs> and we're like, "Whatever." Yeah. And uh, yeah, they were just like, one of them had a megaphone and would just <laughs> stop traffic and be like, "Stop, dykes on the move." <laughs> <laughs> and then we would move. And then <laughs> and then us dykes would move. This is true. <laughs> and sometimes people would like honk, like get out of the way. Like they didn't know what was going on. They didn't mm. know what March this was for, even though it was all rainbows. Hello. <laughs> and there and then literally one the one with the megaphone, I don't really know her name, mm. but she was like, if you keep honking, I'm gonna stand here longer. <laughs> so shut up. And then we it. were just like, ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> Let's go. But I gotta say, um, like COVID or no COVID, the Dyke March is actually my favorite part of Pride Month, mainly because of how grassroots it is. So grassroots. Anyone can show up and obviously just march, yeah. which I think is so beautiful. And I wish we could bring that energy back into the Pride Parade and make it more yeah. organic and just community oriented. And it is also how Pride started, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Pride started as a protest where mm-hmm. just people of the community of the lgbtq2s plus community would gather and they would march they would march for a purpose and in and in protest and for their Mm. rights and that is how the pride parade got started and now the thing about the parade is that not just anyone can join there's this whole like process that you have to go through and typically you have to be a corporation i will (laughs) say one year i did hop the fence and i just started walking and no one said shit (laughs) That's pretty sweet. Yeah. But again, with there being like 
fences and having it it's to not be how it's meant to be yeah. yeah 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 so the dyke march on the other hand you just show up and then you march and it's lovely yeah but tying that back into our topic today and kind of chatting about queer theory is because theory. i myself made a little sign mm-hmm. which i have handy right here on the back of a cereal box yes on the back of a cereal box it was honey bunches of oats the best cereal and if you don't agree then fight me <laughs> You don't want to fight a dyke, though. <laughs> so what it says is dykes for intersectional feminism. And what I noticed was when people would ask me, hey, what does your sign say? I w- and I told them they would get somewhat of like a glazed over blank stare mm-hmm. and like didn't really understand what I was saying, but just kind of like skipped over it. Kind of like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, and if I'm being honest, honestly, I, honest, honestly, <laughs> honest, can you be that honest? I can be this honest okay. and not dishonest, but this honest. Okay. Thank you for the clarification. Yeah, you're welcome. So <laughs> honestly, mm-hmm. when you brought out that sign and I was like, Hey, what's your sign? And you were like, Oh, thanks for inter- uh, intersectional feminism. And I was like, <laughs> cool. yeah, your eyes also glazed mine was the same look <laughs> i was just like confused i didn't know what it meant but i also didn't ask because i thought maybe like i'll look stupid if i asked which is funny because you're my partner <laughs> and like i don't think you're stupid if you ask but i don't think anyone is stupid if they ask because i love talking about queer theory and this yeah. is one of my passions but, but to also, make a point though okay, yeah, before go you go For into sure. your also to yeah. make a point if even i your partner was like mm-hmm. <laughs> all right cool i don't want to seem stupid stupid and ask what that even means everybody else who was asking and had that same look that i did had more of like i would say an inclination to not ask yeah yeah totally but the reason that i get that and that i'm so willing to explain it and share is because probably like two years ago i also felt the same way i didn't even really understand what the word patriarchy meant um when Fair. I was seeing it on people's signs at the Dyke March, it was like, smash the patriarchy. And I was like, I Googled before the march. I was like, what does the patriarchy mean? And after I Googled it, I was still equally as confused. <laughs> so, because it just, you use bigger words to explain the big word and it still doesn't make sense. Right. But now I get it. And okay. now I want to explain these things to y'all. Please do. In a way that makes sense. And that is also fun and funny. The premise of today's podcast mm. is Emily's going to be teaching us together what all of this means in the case that you don't know what it means, yeah. where it came from, where it is now, etc. And it being feminism and many other terms, I'm sure. So I'm going to be learning along with you. As you can probably clearly tell by now, I have no clue what I'm talking about. So I'm going to let you take it away. And if I feel like I have questions, Mm. I'll bring them up. Beautiful. Okay. I love that. So heading back to the sign, I'm quite proud of it. (laughs) 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 Because... It's quite loaded, honestly. So the history, I guess, of the feminist movement and more so the feminist movement in lesbian and quote unquote dyke circles was called radical feminism. And this was more so born in the 60s to 70s. And the idea and the premise behind radical feminism, I pulled out a little note that I wrote because... 
there is some big words in here, but I'm going to break them down. So radical feminism, a.k.a. it can also be called TERFs, which I'm sure some of us may have heard this and also felt confused because I did in the past. So what a TERF is, is trans exclusionary radical feminism. So that can give you a bit of a hint as to what I'm going to get into is that radical feminism in its core is transphobic and also biphobic. So Mm. I'm going to explain to you why that is because it can be a bit confusing on the surface. Okay. So radical feminism is a perspective within feminism that calls for a radical reordering of society where male supremacy is eliminated in all social and economic contexts. So it views the oppression of women by men as the most fundamental form of oppression. So those are some big words up in there. (laughs) Essentially, male supremacy is basically what we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. We see that women are oppressed. When we go outside, we have to carry our keys in between our fingers. We always have to look behind our back, be worried, you know, and everything is always viewed as, our problem that we need to handle rather than something that men need to adapt to to be less shitty. Right. <laughs> you know? Right. Okay. So our system is run by men. And that's basically also what the patriarchy is. Okay. Yeah. All right. In simple terms. Does that make sense? That makes sense so far. Okay. So radical feminists basically want to reorder that and lift up women. They don't see it as all other forms of oppression, say racism, transphobia, homophobia, they don't see those on the same level as um, the oppression of women. And I think where that stems from is that across all of those groups, women are also impacted. Like, for example, there's women, people of color, who are both experiencing racism and oppression so to explain this to you further we kind of have to go back in history a little bit okay (laughs) how far are we going just back to the 60s and 70s when it was birthed (laughs) okay let's go back to the 60s and go (laughs) and time warp (laughs) so essentially at this time the queer LGBTQ movement, it was very divided. So lesbians were doing their own thing, gays were doing their own thing, and they honestly saw trans people as like holding them back a bit in society. For both groups? Both groups felt that way, and it was kind of like normalizing the queer. They felt like trans people were pulling them back in that way when they were trying to make themselves seem like they could blend into society, I suppose. Trans people held them back. So when they were trying to, in their groups, whether Mm. it was lesbian groups or gay groups, Mm -hmm. and they were trying to fight for their rights, they saw, you're saying that they saw trans people as holding them back because Mm. trans people are so, I guess, maybe you could say at the time, visually out there, that it wouldn't help them blend in. Mm -hmm. And they wanted to blend in. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting that they wanted to blend in. Totally. Okay. Totally. So radical feminism increased in popularity in the 60s and 70s, and it was led by the most part by lesbians. So it was feminism in theory, but I guess lesbianism in practice and as a political stance. Mm. So if you were, for example, bisexual and you came into this group and you wanted to be part of it, they would see you as a traitor. Wow. Because if you are having sex 
with the opposite sex with men, then you're sleeping with the oppressor and you're seen as a traitor. Holy, what? Mm -hmm. It was intense. That sounds so intense. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, now with like everything that I know, also in this day and age, which is not the 60s, I see that as like very contradicting and backwards. Mm -hmm. And you can sort of see as well why all of these people in our community, why there's such a huge stigma around bisexual people. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. why there's... This is where it stems from then. It, it was like, wait, is it? Is it? Is this where it stems from? Is it majority? Was it majority of like, of like the hate that bisexual women received? Was it all by other women? Well, there is a bit of this narrative that I felt kind of when I first was coming out is that you don't necessarily as a lesbian want to be with a bisexual woman Hmm. because you're worried about not measuring up, I guess, or them going back to the opposite sex. Them just like wanting everything, like wanting to have everything. Like I, I have heard these premises before of like, like if you're bisexual, it's cheating, and you're a slut, and these types and of like things. And like you're just you're sex to obsessed. Yeah, yeah, you're attracted to everyone. You're obsessed with sex. Like you're cheating on like which side you're choosing. Like you can't yeah. choose a, a side, so you're cheating. But it's absolutely not true. <laughs> no, of course not. No. Like come on. But yeah, continue. It's very interesting though that like mm-hmm. in order to uplift women and to say smash the patriarchy and to pull themselves out of oppression Mm -hmm. they had this stance where it's like you can't sleep with the quote-unquote enemy Mm -hmm. and also let's put down other women Mm -hmm. that aren't on board yeah whether and it sounds like quite contradicting to me because aren't Mm -hmm. you supposed to uplift other women yeah rather than call them traitors or put them down or Mm -hmm. you know that kind of stuff yeah it it's quite hateful and honestly it kicks men out of the feminist movement as well because yeah. men can be feminist and they oh, should be allies and that's a huge important part of it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's like saying to me, and, and I know this is a completely different context, mm-hmm. but it's a similar sort of um, uh, concept where yeah. it's like saying like, let's smash white supremacy, mm. but and then say that I'm like, yeah, like let's get rid of white supremacy but obviously I'm dating you. You're white. Mm. And having Am them... I really? <laughs> what? I don't know if you've looked in the mirror, but but then having seen me as like a traitor for mm. loving someone who's white, like mm. that to me is, is kind of like around the same concept or the same idea. Obviously different when you think about yeah. it contextually, but um yeah does that make sense and to me that and to me that's like so controversial hypocritical and Mm. just contradicting to the message that you want to yeah well if you're telling other people that you do not want to be oppressed Uh uh-huh if we're talking in like a racial context yeah um and then you're just going to go and turn around and, and, and oppress other. Uh, yeah. And spit that back. Out That's what people. I'm saying. It doesn't That's like anything. so contra- like contradicting. Mm. It, it's like hypocritical because mm-hmm. you're saying, let's not be oppressed. But if you're not on my side, I'm going to oppress you. Yeah. You well, know? if you don't look and act exactly like me, I'm going to oppress you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because 
a bisexual woman can be on your side, you know? Absolutely. When it comes to feminism. Absolutely. Yeah. So now that we've spoken about <laughs> bisexual women in radical feminism, right. let's chat about the viewpoint on trans women. Yes. So basically the gender of trans women was slash is disrespected because radical feminism still continues to live on. Right. Um and this was disrespected by excluding them from the movement and stating that they're predators. And they do Whoa. not understand the oppression faced by women because they previously lived as men. And they were able to, I guess, climb the economic hierarchy wow. before as men. Like, for example, we could take someone like um, Caitlyn Jenner, right. who was able to make this very long, successful career mm-hmm. as a man mm-hmm. and was able to gain all of this respect and held conservative values right you know and still votes conservatives and heavily advocates for it still so weird but is now a woman Uh uh-huh there is a woman has been a woman so that's kind of pointing to i guess an example of what could be that's so like the that's so strange to me because the number of cases like that is literally that that one like mm-hmm. that's the only one i know of that's like mm-hmm. everybody was like you're so brave caitlin jenner this this, and that and but there's been many trans women before caitlin jenner and none mm-hmm. of them have been celebrated that i know of mm-hmm. um and it's literally like i feel like that's the case just for caitlin jenner and for every other trans woman majority of the times the case is that they are even more oppressed. And than, oftentimes you'll lose your job. There's yeah, many stories of you even, losing your job when you come out as yeah, trans. As a trans, I feel like trans women are more oppressed than bisexual women, mm. lesbian women, uh, cis, hetero women. Like, mm. I feel like they're more oppressed than every other woman. Mm. So, uh, you know, I, that feels so weird to me. <laughs> Like, yeah. what? Yeah, yeah, but that kind of shows where that viewpoint is of radical feminism. Just like, as like right? I, 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 based on what you're telling me, I see it as like they view all men as the root of all evil. Yes. Whoa. Yeah, that is what it is. Freaking intense. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. So obviously, we all know that trans women are real women and they deserve to be included in our feminism and obviously protected by us yes. through allyship. So now that we understand what radical feminism is, mm-hmm. we can now chat about intersectional feminism. <laughs> yes, please. Is it is intersectional feminism mm-hmm. kind of like the opposite of radical feminism? Well, tell me what you think it means. Um, based on absolutely nothing, because <laughs> I know nothing, um, <laughs> it feels to me mm-hmm. like it's inclusive of everybody whether you're a woman whether you're a non-binary person or a man because everybody can be a feminist and it's about just lifting the oppression of women everyone who identifies as a woman and creating more of like an equal i don't know why the word that popped into my head was playground (laughs) playing field i think a mean? playing field there you go. Oh, thank goodness but not including that last part of radical feminism which was the exclusion of men what you're saying is very aligned with what it is but in general intersectional feminism just looks at and realizes that different forms of oppression 
intersect with each other basically oh you see what i mean so you okay can experience racism homophobia yeah and oppression because you're a woman which is fantastic i love that combination yeah it's a fun little cocktail (laughs) (laughs) i love that for you fantastic i love if i have to be oppressed i would like three forms please thank you (laughs) if it's free take three (laughs) (laughs) nice that's a good one yeah so it recognizes unlike radical feminism which obviously viewed um oppression against women as the greatest and most important form of oppression Mm. it views all of them as intermingled Mm. okay 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 and so it it just it it takes into consideration Mm -hmm. the fact that if you're a woman you have it doesn't mean that just because you're a woman that's like your greatest form of oppression I think, is that what you mean? Like, it recognizes all other forms of oppression as equal to the oppression of women. It just sees that they all work together. Uh, Oh, I see. And they all work together. So we have to work together to smash that. Yeehaw. So come on, guys. (laughs) Let's get together. Let's work together. (laughs) Yeah, so you can see sort of why it was multi-layered me at the dyke march holding this sign this is a very multi-layered sign and i'm Mm. glad that i asked you that question so that we can actually dig into it and explain it because i didn't know what it meant (laughs) did that make sense though do you have any questions i do yeah so you mentioned that it worked that intersectional feminism is recognizing that all forms of oppression are intermingled so then in that case it doesn't uphold the oppression of women as the most important then in that case i don't think it sees anything as higher than the other it just sees that people face multiple oppressions and that they work together Mm -hmm. and obviously there are people who experience greater forms of oppression than others Mm -hmm. especially if you have like multiple layers yeah (laughs) a nice cocktail of or or layers Mm -hmm. of forms of oppression like you mentioned i could be oppressed for having darker skin non-white skin i could be oppressed for being a woman i could be oppressed for being queer and then with that are there any hierarchies in terms of like you know systems of oppression and importance of uplift of lifting those forms of oppression or is it more of like like everybody bands together to lift them all at once it's a good question um i don't know if it's like clearly scientifically recognized i think (laughs) we ourselves can see in our society who is facing greater oppression Mm -hmm. you know indigenous people and it it depends on the society that you live in as Mm -hmm. well um indigenous people in canada i would say face the absolute most oppression Mm -hmm. but if you were to go to america perhaps it's different. If you were to go to another country, perhaps it's different, Mm -hmm. you know? So it really depends on where you are and what your social systems are because everything is very much intermingled with society at large. And I think it's important to also recognize that the patriarchy, which we defined before as our whole system, which is led and controlled by men, also hurts men. Mm-hmm. You know, men actually have higher rates of suicide and 
that really does point to the fact that we tell men that they have to quote unquote man up and right. they can't express their emotions and they have to lock these things in. Right. That's yeah, not yeah. natural. That's what society is telling them. Yeah. Yeah. That's not natural at all. Um, it's a good point on that. And, and the fact that men is, it's such an interesting point. And, just the fact that like by creating this system where men are seen as the you know the the more important or like a, a man has more power than a woman or a non-binary person mm. um and that th that's the hierarchy of it it's it's interesting to say and that's i think it's a very good point that just by creating that they also become oppressed from different things. Obviously, very, very different. Um, so uh, oppressed from, for example, sharing their emotions mm -hmm. or from crying even. And this is a thing in our society uh, here in Canada is that men definitely, uh, a lot of them feel like they have to make a lot of money, mm. uh, have nice things have like a really nice car um you know have their own place all these different things that you have to kind of like check off in order to be considered like a high value man mm -hmm. so that hopefully a woman will find you attractive and you get the status and you get the money and you get the power mm -hmm. and it makes you feel good so men striving for that kind of thing is also extremely toxic and in its own way in a very different way oppressive mm -hmm. because of how much of themselves they have to hide in order to fit this structure that has been built yeah for them which is very interesting and i and when i think about fem feminism i normally don't think about what men are also forced to do there's victims and, on all yeah, sides for and, sure. and the role that they're forced to play yeah. yeah truly a lot of people still view feminism as almost lifting women up so that they're higher than men and creating a matriarchy right where the society is led and dominated by women which i'm not against just kidding <laughs> no i well the, that's the thing but, is that like it should be equal leadership like I was getting to that. Okay. But <laughs> what feminism actually is, is just creating equality among the sexes. Mm -hmm. So it's n really, it's not about making women more powerful than men. It's just providing equal opportunities. Mm -hmm. So And more so like if a country is led by a woman, then great. Mm -hmm. And if a country is led by a feminist man then great and if a country is led by a non-binary person then great uh, it's like yeah. it's more jo so just about like leveling the playing field mm -hmm. rather than like now we have to be above you and we have to be your suppressors i think what's really really important to me and why i personally talk about intersection a lot not just within um the feminist movement is because in order for something to change, you need allyship. And Absolutely. you need to be looking at these intersections yeah. and also including people who are the quote-unquote oppressors. You mm -hmm. know, in an anti-racist movement, you also need to bring white people into the conversation and they need to be there as allies. And it is obviously their role to self-educate, but 
they need to be included in the movement as well. Yeah. And for us, I strongly believe that men need to be included in this conversation and in this movement as well yeah. in order for things to change, in order for future generations of men to not be horrible. <laughs> I agree completely because that's, mm -hmm. again, another great point. If we're trying to create equality mm -hmm. and make sure that it's not a man-dominated world, then how are we supposed to create that if we can't teach our young boys, future men, mm -hmm. how to behave in that kind of society yeah. and, and, and how it, it all works and, and, and like a, a value system, a moral system mm -hmm. that really is focused on inclusivity, not yeah. exclusivity. And you need the people who are dominating these power structures to be on board so that they can change them because they are the people who are in yeah. positions of power in they're in the most seats in parliament you know yeah so they're true in the majority of ceo positions yeah they and hold really big change making opportunities absolutely i'm really uh against and hold not a grudge but just like sourness mm. towards um, or you could say grudge, honestly, um, <laughs> towards this, uh, any notion that is all about lifting the the oppression of a certain group and doing that by trying to oppress another group. It doesn't like, make sense. It doesn't make sense whatsoever because if you feel shit for being oppressed and then you try to oppress someone else, then that makes you no better than than your oppressor. It makes mm -hmm. you it makes you quite literally your oppressor. Mm -hmm. So how does that create change? It doesn't. It just repeats a cycle, really. Mm -hmm. And I'm totally on board with that. I do have a question for you in terms of your own personal opinion. Okay, I hope that I can answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, in your opinion, mm. in Canada, based in Canada, because like you mentioned before, it matters on where you are mm. in terms of oppression and the intersection of it. What do you personally think needs to happen first in order to sort of solve oppression? Like for example- <laughs> That's such a big question. <laughs> huge question. But let's, let's take an, let me give you some examples. Like for example, do you think it's, first we have to lift the oppression of women. First we have to lift the oppression of uh, black people. First, we have to lift the oppression of indigenous people or of queer people, etc. Like, is there one group that needs to come first? Or again, going back to my previous um, sort of un unknowing explanation of intersectional feminism, which mm. was, does it have to be all at once together? What do you think personally? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great way for us to apply this theory of like intersectional feminism and intersectionality in general is that it's everybody all at once, you know, everybody all at once. We're lifting it all at once. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone who is marginalized has to be working together. I, I completely agree with that. And that would have been my answer as well. Mm. For example, I want to lift the oppression of black people and of queer people and of women and of indigenous people. But I never ever exclusively focus on one mm -hmm. and shun out the other when when it comes up, like all of it at once. I'm always like, yes to this, yes to this, yes to that. 
because I feel like if I don't do that, then I'm being a hypocrite. Yeah, and that's why, honestly, even though we host a queer platform where we are trying to uplift the voices of queer people, I am not unwilling, and we have in the past, featured Mm -hmm. allies. Absolutely. Because that's important as well. I want everyone to be included in this movement because we need everyone. We do need everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For Get on the bus. We're going. We're going right now. you're (laughs) invited. Get on the bus. Take a seat and get comfy. Because we're on the route to no oppression. (laughs) But uh, I don't know if... The emergency exits are on your left and right side at the beginning and at the end of the vehicle. (laughs) please secure your mask before securing the mask of others thank you for riding with us (laughs) no but for real it's like i really hope that we can get to that point Mm -hmm. it certainly seems like a long long road ahead i mean oppression has been happening and Mm -hmm. has been fought for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, it's like that kind of makes me feel doubtful. But what makes me feel hopeful, on the other hand, is that now it's not just those groups by themselves trying mm-hmm. to fight it. It's, it's starting to have everybody join the movement. Yeah. Whether or not they, quote unquote, belong to that group or a part of that group, which is, again, why we need such strong allyship Mm. i am not indigenous for example but i will 100 percent support the indigenous peoples of this land Mm -hmm. which we are on because if they try to do it by themselves and nobody pays attention there's no allies then it's never going to change same same thing with every other movement and that's what the government tries to do in Canada, honestly, when we are celebrating people like Ryerson, who founded the residential movement, and we are erasing basically the history of like the horrifying things that happened in residential schools, then and honestly not teaching anything about colonial really truly about colonialism in school, then we're making it almost impossible for allyship to be created because no one even grows up knowing what happened to indigenous people yeah and they're almost screaming into a void because no one's paying attention and that isn't a mistake what i mean by it's not a mistake is people are doing this on purpose yeah yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. and you know to i really really hate when people are like, oh, it happened so long ago. What's the big deal? Like it happened X number of years ago. Like, why are we talking about this now? It's like, because it's so true. Mm-hmm. The saying, which fun fact I heard on Proud Family on Love the it. Disney Channel. <laughs> it's, there was this like, literally, I remember like no quotes from the Proud Family, <laughs> except this quote. And this, I watched it when I was probably like 10. Okay. or something i don't know I, I or maybe i was a teenager i was young is mm-hmm. the point and so long ago but it, it has stuck with me that one line for uh, till now and mm-hmm. probably forever and at the time when i heard it i had no idea what it meant <laughs> i was probably 10 yeah. and i was just like huh what does that mean and i didn't know but for yeah. some reason it's been stuck up here and it's been it, it's for a reason which okay. is 
the the quote from the Proud family is, if you don't know your past, you can't know your future. Mm. And I'm probably paraphrasing that a little bit because it's been a long time. But at the time, I was like, what the heck? I was like, just skip to the good part. I want to watch the show. But they were really trying to teach a valuable lesson because uh, in that episode, Penny was like, oh, my history. Like, I don't want to know my history. Like, what does it matter? Like, I'm here now. This is what should matter. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember who it was that told her, but they said, if you don't know your past, you can't know your future. And... I, I understand it now, which mm. is like, you know, if, if we don't know what happened to the indigenous people, how are we going to stop ourselves from repeating it again? Because yeah. history repeats itself often. And it's because we forget what happened. It's because we suppress it and we push it down and we like tuck it away in a corner mm. and we rewrite the history books talking about other stuff yeah. and not at all mentioning the horror that happened. Yeah. And that's also where we lose the ability for allyship is because people don't understand why we need reparations and why Mm -hmm. we need to talk about things like land back yeah because they don't understand what we've done to indigenous people and how we continue because it's not in the history books and how we continue to suppress them and to suppress their ability to succeed economically yeah currently like this happens now Mm -hmm. uh there's this like story that our roommate meg told us not a story but just like a fact honestly mm. um which is that she was trying to visit Haida Gwaii, which mm. is here in canada um mm. out west and they're very extremely extremely strict on their rules when it comes to covid um because it's indigenous people's lands right and it was like you nobody is allowed to travel there at this moment because of covid like and you have to get a work permit in order to even travel and once you're there you have to quarantine for two weeks Mm -hmm. there's no parties allowed there's no this this and that and it's all like they're so so strict and like as an outsider that say doesn't know anything about the history of indigenous peoples one might look at that and be like that sucks why are they being so strict like let let up like why are you being such a such a downer like you know just like chill out and it's like no it's actually not like that at all it's not about chilling out it's actually because historically the canadian government has used pandemics as a weapon to try to eradicate the indigenous population Mm -hmm. So when a pandemic comes around, there's fear and there's, there's fear and there's history and there's horror. Mm. And so they put these strict rules down because they fear that it's happening to them again. And they want to protect their elders who hold the knowledge and the wisdom of their language, yeah. which they're trying to pass on, which they're trying to pass on. Yeah. Mm. And they're trying to make sure that their next generation actually lives. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much horror and pain behind that. And even in something like, uh, you know, COVID rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and, and I don't know nearly enough about the indigenous history and what Canada has done to them uh, as a government. But I'm continuing to learn more. And again, going back to this is why we need to know history. This is why we need to show strong support and allyship Mm -hmm. so i think that is probably the takeaway of this episode totally be an ally and self-educate um 
because we are all allies to one another in at least one way. And also, going back to intersectional feminism or just Ooh, intersectional anything. Tying it back in. Tying it back in. This is what I do. I link. I love that. <laughs> it's just like keeping in mind and, and, and really knowing and understanding that no uh, movement holds a hierarchy over another movement it all has to work together yeah. we all have to work together in order to lift that together mm -hmm. so. we need to show up for each other's causes absolutely show up for each other's causes if you mm -hmm. want show someone to show up for your cause you damn well better show up to theirs yeah. otherwise why would they show up to yours mm -hmm. you feel me you feel me you okay care for each other yeah so kind of on a final note i think what i want to say as a takeaway, is what you should do with this information. Ooh, please tell me what I should do with this information right now. I'm going to go do it. First of all, condemn anyone who is seeking to spread hate within social justice movements. There is no space for hatred and division in these movements. And I will say personally, within our LGBTQ community, there is still a lot of division um, mm -hmm. and a lot of sort of segregation in our community just by even splitting people up by labels yeah and that is I, division in its own can i just say when we say condemn we don't mean put down mm. or or in turn suppress someone who is trying to oppress you yeah. because then you're just as bad as them i think take this wisdom away and hopefully that empowers you to then educate someone educate that who, is key who you see spreading this type of information yeah you yeah. know it's all about education it's not yeah. about putting people down it's not about mm -hmm. uh you know us oppressing our uh, oppressors mm -hmm. it it's about education so yeah. go out there and educate when you can yeah so we're just a couple of intersectional feminist dykes <laughs> who are here to support all of our g-damn sisters Bisexual, yeah. trans, I love you all. I love you all. <laughs> Non-binary, whether you're black, indigenous, white, whatever, I love you. And you're and all allies, I love you. <laughs> you are all welcome in my feminism. Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think that's our leaving note. Make sure to hit that subscribe button. Make sure to give a like to this video because it helps out with the YouTube algorithm. Make sure that you turn those notification bells on so that you get notified next time we drop a pod or any other video. With all that being said, we will see you in the next pod. Peace. Goodbye. Whoa. Kind of sultry, eh? <laughs>